The next treasure I want to tell you about lived right in the midst of the bustle of Delhi, but outside it all. One morning, my friend Shamlal Sharma said he wanted me to meet a special person, a woman named Jugavati, who was the sister of a famous Vaishnava guru of Brindaban. So off we went. Sharmaji was a man of very modest means, with whose family I always stayed when in Delhi, sleeping in their living room. So I was surprised when we arrived at a three-story mansion in a new and prosperous neighborhood. The surprises did not end with that. As we went up the two flights of stairs to the third floor, Sharmaji explained to me that Jugavati had been a very wealthy woman, but several years before had given everything she had to her daughter, with the understanding that a house was to be built with the temple of Radha Krishna on the top floor, and that full temple worship should be offered there daily by a priest. All she asked for was a place to live in the temple room itself, so she could see Sri Radha and Krishna all the rest of her life. The temple room was nothing less than opulent, though in very good and expensive taste. We saluted the deities who were being attended by the priest, and then turned to the left side of the room where Jugavati was sitting on a folding canvas cot of the type that soldiers and campers have been using for a hundred years or more. A few things were under the cot, and that was all that Jugavati possessed. I, I wish I uh, had a photograph that people could see Jugavati's appearance, but I'll try to tell you about it. She did not look at all like her famous brother, whose photograph I had seen, but she looked very much like Sri Ramakrishna's great disciple, Swami Shivananda, also known as Mahapurush, who was the third head of the Ramakrishna mission. Her face was strikingly noble, and her skin was golden in color and truly glowed with a subtle spiritual light. I'd only seen anything like this twice before. We sat, and she began speaking to us about the supremacy of spiritual practice and aspiration. Reaching into a small bag, she brought out a japa mala. It was her brother's mala. He had given it to her just before he left the body and told her to use two malas for her sadhana, that she should hold on to one bead of his mala and with the other use a second mala to count off 100,000 repetitions of her mantra before moving on to the next bead in his mala. When she complete, completed his mala, she had actually done 10,800,000 repetitions of her mantra. And it had worked. She was living proof. Sitting there was a visit to God dwelling in an, in an illumined heart. I went away breathing blessing. I would like to have something to tell you of her conversation more, but the th thing was she talked mostly to Sharmaji about me.
And uh, so I'll just keep that <laughs> for me to know. In just a few weeks, she left her body, frequently speaking to others about me and wishing we could meet once more. Surely God will grant her wish in a much higher world than this one. I want to tell you very briefly about the saint that I just call the Vishnupur train platform Swami. Because again, his name too, I don't know. And I'll have to tell it to you briefly because our encounter was so brief. Vishnupur is a town in Bengal. Sri Ramakrishna called it a hidden Brendaban. I believe that because there was an indefinable yet tangible atmosphere there was almost one of mystery about the whole about the whole town. Vishnupur did not have a train station, just a big cement platform in the midst of the tracks with benches in the center. I was sitting there in the early evening while it was still light. My sannyasa guru, Swami Vidyanandagiri, had been asked to take over the administration of a village school in the Bankura district and we were going there accompanied by the headmaster of the Lakhanpur school and the future Swami Bhumananda Puri. As we sat there in silence, a sadhu dressed as a Vaishnava Swami came walking from the right, stopped in front of me, and began speaking. One of our party told him that I did not know Bengali, and he answered, I know that, in the same language, and continued speaking to me looking directly into my eyes. A steady current of peaceful bliss flowed from him into me as he spoke. A couple of times he was told again that I did not speak Bengali, but he didn't even acknowledge it. He spoke very carefully and with quiet intensity for at least 20 minutes or more. Then the train pulled in and he saluted and walked on to the left. I never saw him again, but something permanent had been conveyed to me, a kind of spiritual resolve and the peace that comes with it. 